Hello, and welcome to Skynet Today's Last Week in AI podcast, where you can hear AI researchers chat about what's going on with AI. As usual, in this episode, we'll provide summaries and discussion of last week's most interesting AI news. You can also check out our Last Week in AI newsletter at lastweekin.ai for articles we both did and did not cover in this episode. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Sharon Joe. And I am your other host, almost Dr. Andre Kurenkov. For our regular listeners, we are back. We have taken a pretty long break due to being busy, basically. Turns out, you know, research takes time and effort. Uh, but now we have returned and are excited to uh, keep making uh, episodes again. There's a lot to cover in this one. We'll be talking about Tesla's humanoid robot. We'll be talking about text-to-video generation, uh, facial recognition stuff, and some cool um, things of art. So it's going to be a cool episode, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Yes. And what have you been up to, Andre? Uh, you know, work. <laughs> I tried to submit to uh, two conferences actually last month. There was ICRA, which is a big robotic conference, and then didn't quite manage to submit in time for that. And then there was a second conference two weeks later, uh, ICRL, ICLR, and almost made it but not quite. So the entire month of September was just like crazy research rush, which is pretty typical of research and deadlines. Uh, but now finally I can rest a bit and, you know, finish up a paper, but uh, not quite work that hard. My sleep schedule was insane. <laughs> I imagine so, which is why we had a hiatus, but I'm glad you got it to close to the finish line now. And this is actually the perfect amount of time. Um, just don't try to procrastinate the next one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Yeah, no, we all procrastinate. This is I know, I know. sadly, I've never made a draft of a paper more than a week before a conference. So <laughs> maybe that's me. I don't know. but Unless it's the next deadline after the exactly after exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay uh well another thing i was up to last week uh after the deadline on friday i went to the tesla ai day as Woo! did uh, some of my friends this was yes. local right near stanford so i took yes. like a 15 minute lift to get there and uh yeah I was out of town, so I couldn't go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of stuff would be want, and that is what we're going to be talking uh, about first in the applications and business section. We're going to be talking about the prototype uh, uh, humanoid robot that they presented at the Tesla AI Day uh, right then. So a year ago, uh, it was announced that Tesla was working on the Tesla bot, and there was a funny little meme with a person in a costume who danced on stage. And uh, Tesla has been kind of hyping up that's going to show off a prototype of this Tesla bot at this event, which is uh, really a recruiting event. It's a way for them to get really good talent for AI and robotics to join them. And so they got straight to it, actually, as soon as the presentation started, Elon Musk got on stage, talked for a bit, and they had the prototype 
uh, walk out uh, on stage. It walked a few feet, it waved to the crowd, did a little dance, and that was it for the demo. And then they had about an hour or more of various engineers working on it describe how it worked technically. So yeah, it was uh, quite an event. I think my impression and many people's impression was that it was really impressive what they achieved in a year. They pretty much like speed ran the uh, course of development of humanoid robots. So they did what a lot of other companies in the past have done. Fundamentally, uh, it's not that much different from the Asimo robots or Boston Dynamics. It's a lot of the same ideas, but they did get together something very quickly, uh, which is really impressive. But it's also a little underwhelming in that it's really nothing that new. Sharon, did you see this news? What was your impression on seeing the Tesla bot? Yeah, so actually one of my roommates is Andre Carpathy. So. Oh, okay. So you were watching it live, I imagine. Well, it was, no, no, no. I mean, he was at Oh, he was, yeah. Because he left. But it was pretty funny because at some point he did tweet like, uh, like because someone else, another friend in our chat, our house chat basically said, take five shots if uh, Elon says uh, software 2.0 and Elon saw that tweet from Andre and actually said it. And so then he had to take the shots. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun drama in the AI world with this. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it is impressive that they were able to cobble it together so quickly. And I do think um, it's been reviving a wave of humanoid robots um, because I, I basically, I, I really think it has galvanized more energy towards it. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, a lot of us robotics people were very curious to see if it would be kind of just laughable what they show off or if it's going to be amazing. And it was ultimately pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I think it exceeded expectations. It exceeded expectations. I think the hardware is pretty incredible. They had a lot of details. Uh, The overall event was very technical. They had the actual engineers describe a lot of what went on. Uh, yeah. Since this was a recruiting event, and there are a lot of very impressive details with respect to the battery work, the control, the actuators. So the hardware is really exciting, and uh, they claim that it would be sold for around twenty thousand. So I think a lot of us roboticists are super excited for that. Yeah, and I mean, last year is very technical too. So it's cool that they've kept up like the technical aspect of this event, um, largely for recruiting and to make it feel even more legit. Yep, they talked a bit about Thomas driving, but I don't think people really cared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not as hot anymore. <laughs> so on to our next article. It's not just floods and fires. This AI forecasts how climate change will impact your city. And so this is a new tech platform called Climate Alpha, and they use a scenario forecaster to basically help answer the question and of, you know, how a climate will impact your city um, and how to predict where 
you know, it might make sense to invest instead in terms of what location you might buy a house in. Um, so there are other tools that do look at climate risk by location. Um, but this startup actually is looking at a more complex uh, picture. Uh, so they're asking questions like where are jobs growing? How are cities adapting and investing in infrastructure to protect against climate impacts? Where are people moving now despite extreme heat or wildfires or sea level rise? Um, and so this platform has launched with data about the U.S., um, though they plan to expand globally. Uh, and this means that, you know, their customers, large real estate investors can use it to plan investments. Um, and they also hope to launch a tool for individual home buyers like you and me um, so that we can just enter our street address and uh, the price we bought our property at. And then that's all you need to do. And then you can get a forecast for the fair market value for your home in any year. Um, so that's that's pretty cool to see how climate can uh, or climate predictions can be um, used uh, more tactically for for people as they think about where to live. And among my friends, I think people are already starting to do things like this with their own data. So it's cool to see a startup tackling this. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, they say that basically they model human dynamics, not just with climate opposed to other people. And that's really important. Uh, this will be, you know, as the decades go on, climate change is going to affect everything everywhere. So we will need the sort of forecasting and, you know, the test bot is way cooler, but I think this actually to me is more exciting as a showcase of what AI can be used for and really something that I think might be more impactful long-term as we move on to the century where climate change will change everything. Let's see how much it changes. <laughs> and it will vary a lot by location, um, but I think it will impact us all. Um, yeah, and this tool will help us know how it will change things or predict, which will be good. That's right. Exactly. And we'll see how good these tools actually are. I think um, I think there's still some healthy skepticism on, on that. Moving on to the lightning round. First up, we have AI spending grew 20.7% worldwide in 2021, according to IDC. So the title pretty much sends it. Uh, the spending on software, hardware, and services for AI-centric and AI-non-centric applications grew to 383.3 billion in 2021, which was an increase of 20% over a prior year. Uh, not too surprising, but um, yeah, it's cool to see this growth. And IDC expects AI, AI market value will reach uh, 450 billion in 2022. That's cool that they expect it, uh, despite the market down, to continue growing this year. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, commercialization of AI is still very much in progress, so there's a lot of room. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Tesla, another story we have is that Tesla is being sued over autopilot and Elon Musk's full self-driving predictions. Uh, the plaintiff is Briggs Matsko, and he says that he spent 5000 on the package in 2018, as many Tesla drivers who paid thousands of dollars for enhanced autopilot. Uh, that was a precursor to full self-driving, which is now a uh, 15,000 software package, and they don't have it. You pay all this money for a feature that you don't get for years and years. So I guess unsurprising they're being sued, and it's, it's, it is pretty ridiculous, to be honest. 
Yeah. And that's been ongoing, right? A lot of the criticism around it, which I suspect is why they're trying to focus on Optimus, the robot instead. Mm. And next article, Uber Eats and Neuro sign a 10-year deal to do robot food delivery in California and Texas. So Uber Eats signed um, a decade-long deal, which is a big deal with Neuro, uh, to use their self uh, use their driverless delivery cars. And these are licensed right now to operate in a couple cities, Mountain View and Houston, um, in California and Texas, respectively. And the Neuro R2 cars are actually street legal. Um, they're actually a lot larger than the typical sidewalk delivery robot, though they're, they look kind of small compared to a car. Uh, and they can travel up to 45 miles per hour. Uh, they can carry 500 pounds and actually have capacity for 24 grocery bags. Um, and this is not the only self-driving company working with Uber, um, uh, which is now testing sidewalk delivery robots by other companies as well. So maybe we'll see more and more of this as as things move along. I've definitely seen sidewalk delivery robots in Mountain View many times. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's still very much in the prototype stage, but I think within a decade, we'll probably be getting deliveries from these little robots uh, with stuff like Uber Eats. Last lightning article is announcing the PyTorch Foundation, a new era for the cutting edge AI framework. Um, so PyTorch is actually moving to a new independent PyTorch foundation under the Linux Foundation umbrella, so out of Meta. But Meta will continue to invest in PyTorch and use it as their primary framework for AI research and production applications at the company. I think this is actually quite big news. Um, I was not expecting this from Facebook or Meta. Yeah, this is super exciting. PyTorch is kind of a backbone of a lot of AI work. It's super important and it's super cool that now it's not owned or run by a company, but by this uh, independent foundation. And on to research and advancements. First up, we have Meta's new text-to-video AI generator is like Delhi for video. And related to that, we also have Google answers Meta's video generating AI with its own dubbed Imogen video. And both of these were like a few days apart. So it's been a very exciting week for text to video. And as the title says, basically this is the same as generating images from text, but now for video. So uh, there's these several new works that show with uh, description, like a person doing yoga outdoor during a sunrise, they can generate a pretty short, like five second clip uh, of that. And uh, the results are pretty amazing. Um, definitely not kind of as high quality as what we have today with images, uh, but uh, still they are much, much more impressive than what we have seen before in this area and we can obviously expect this to be improving rapidly uh, as we go um, so that's make a video is from meta and then imogen came out uh, very soon after that and um, fundamentally does the same thing in a different way and uh, likewise uh, is very cool and then before that, it should be noted, there was also COG video from the Beijing Economy of AI, which is uh, similarly very high quality. And this was also in 2022. And there is yet another one called Fenaki, which is also from Google. So it's been just uh, an amazing year, not just for text to images, but now also for text to video. 
Yeah, and actually the text of video from Google, the Imagine and Finaki uh, projects were released all in one day. So, uh, you know, both from the same company, uh, though different groups. And while Imagine video focuses on quality, Finaki actually focuses on the coherency and length of video. So they'll be able to uh, join forces uh, and create something that leverages both. And everyone's uh, techniques are a bit different. But I think one thing that stood out to me for um, definitely like make a video was that it doesn't require paired text to video data, which is great. Um, so we're using a lot of great self-supervised learning um, to enable uh, us to not have to have explicit pairs and be able to just train on train on videos. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, kind of not a fundamentally new idea, I don't think. Basically, you generate the image and then you predict how the image would change over time. You basically predict into the future, which is a well-established problem. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it, it is very safe to assume there will be a very rapid improvement in how these things look. But uh, personally, I think Fanaki, even though it doesn't look quite as impressive is the most exciting work from all of these because uh, it fundamentally allows you to generate things that are minutes in length with uh, chaining of multiple descriptions. Like we have a photorealistic teddy bear swimming in the ocean and then the teddy bear goes underwater and then it keeps swimming uh, underwater with fish and so on and so on. So. I think that is super exciting and will um, move combined with Imogen will just be kind of mind blowing. Right. I think like the progress of getting things to be higher resolution has been almost inevitable. But then, like you said, the coherency and the length of the video, that is much more impressive because we haven't seen anything like that as much before. And honestly, these look like movies, like little movies where you just kind of direct which way to go with each, each sentence de determining the next few frames. And so I just think it's really impressive. I mean, it can even like zoom in, zoom out, keep going, you know, then there's so much coherency. I, I, I'm impressed with the samples that I see. Yeah. And, you know, based on what you've seen of text to image, we can assume that we'll have like another 12 or whatever dozen of these within the next half year. And then, you know, uh, we'll be open source soon enough, stable diffusion, etc. It'll be now that we've seen this first wave, it's very likely to keep happening, I would say. Although it's worth noting that with video, it's much more resource intensive to do training, uh, the data sets and the models and so on. It's, it's very uh, hard to optimize and it takes a lot of resources. So potentially this won't move quite as fast as text to image, I would say. Though I think we'll find ways to uh, reduce that. And Hollywood, watch out. <laughs> uh, I think artists are already feeling it in uh, image land. So we, we really will see what this would look like. On to the next article. OpenAI open sources Whisper, a multilingual speech recognition system. Uh, so Whisper, which is an ASR, automatic speech recognition system, um, is uh, open source. And it's a huge model. It's trained on 680,000 hours of multilingual and multitask data collected from the web, um, which led to improved recognition of unique accents, uh, background noise, and also technical jargon. Um, and... Uh, 
OpenAI hopes to, you know, release this for AI researchers who are studying um, uh, speech recognition, specifically around generalization, biases, uh, robustness, and constraints of this model. Um, based on what I've heard in terms of people playing with them, I'm not sure if you played with Andre yet. I intend to. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, so it's able to do quite well given how you know how it was just like trained very generally. Um, and so I, I'm kind of excited to see where this direction goes. Yeah, I think um, it's very exciting that it was open sourced, uh, and as you say, the results are very impressive. Uh, I think. I've played around with commercial tools for transcription in the past and uh, that use AI and they're pretty good, but the word error rate, uh, which is what these things measure, is still relatively high. So maybe it's one in every hundred words, two in every hundred words, which for a transcription of an interview is still a lot. And uh, you know, manual correction of these things is a real hassle. So um, this generally seems to either be as good or outperform these commercial offerings and, and works for uh, very noisy data, uh, data with accents, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, so, yeah, it's very exciting and in particular exciting because comparing it to the other open source models, uh, not just the commercial offerings, there is a huge improvement uh, on various data sets. So I think um, it will lead to a lot of developments uh, given that it was open source. We'll see a lot of sort of very easy tools to use it for whatever application you want. And transcription is very useful for generating captions, uh, for you know, videos, interviews, etc. And um, yeah, I think this is really exciting. I do too. Though I did chat with someone, and they said it's still not as good as the uh, uh, open APIs out there um, uh, for for what they needed. Um, so this is very exciting that it was open source. So, um, and we'll say that you know, like other speech recognition models, it is kind of determined about, uh, you know, with what kind of data determined by what kind of data it's been trained on. And so there are still biases. There are still, you know, uh, underrepresented languages in this case, um, that won't, you know, perform as well as those that have much more data, uh, that it was trained on. Yeah. I think it's sort of noting that, uh, still, you know, this is very fresh and, uh, in some cases, this will probably be not very robust. Uh, so because it's such a big model, it could sort of hallucinate or basically in doing next work prediction, it might actually just insert a word that it thinks would make sense instead of transcribing a word, uh, which would be pretty, you know, not ideal. So there's, there's a lot of caveats, but still, I think it, it shows uh, pretty impressive progress in transcription and will enable a lot of follow-up work. And on to our lightning round. Can eyes on self-driving cars reduce accidents? Cues from moving eyes could help pedestrians anticipate vehicles' intentions. Um, so... Robotic eyes this is an, uh, a paper. Uh, robotic eyes meaning like if you put eyes onto the car and it could look at the pedestrian or away from the pedestrian, it actually helped participants understand, you know, what the car was quote unquote thinking or looking at. Um, and this was this study was done in VR, and and it's anticipated that this may help with safety of self-driving cars. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, as we drive or bike, often we make uh, eye contact with the other drivers at intersections and sort of wave or whatever, right? So I guess for autonomous driving, <laughs> we'll need something like that. And it may be uh, that we'll need eyes on cars, which is funny, but does make sense. Next article is why DeepMind is sending AI humanoids to soccer camp. Well, that article title is a little bit, uh, uh, you know, fluffy, um, but essentially it's uh, in simulation, football in simulation um, or uh, soccer, excuse me, uh, via reinforcement learning. Um, and basically the results of what they got from RL was a team of coordinated humanoid uh, players that exhibit complex behavior at different scales. Um, and this was quantified by a range of analysis and statistics, including those that are used in real world sports analytics. Yeah, this was, uh, if you look up, we'll have the links as usual. There's some really fun videos here because as it says, this is AI humanoids. So it's actually controlling these like human looking characters who are running around and it's really impressive work that they got control and uh you know color collaboration between uh, multiple agents next up we have how transformers seem to mimic parts of a brain this is an article from quantum magazine i think we touched on this pretty recently in a prior episode on how representations learned by these large language models and other models can map pretty nicely to parts of a brain. And this is kind of a summary uh, uh, article on some of that work. And last up, yet another uh, text to something uh, research paper. We have NVIDIA's new AI model quickly generates objects and characters for virtual words, uh, worlds. So they uh, introduced this new Get3D model that can generate characters, buildings, vehicles, and other types of 3D objects. And it can whip up shapes as well. And the results are quite nice looking. Uh, there's a lot of you know, models that are varied and look nice. So I think this is really exciting. I think video and 3D are really the next frontiers in computer vision research that are much harder than 2D. And we are really starting to see a lot of progress, especially with stuff like this. Yep. And this is related to a lot of work that is, you know, leveraging or has been very hot around NERF, uh, which was, you know, being able to give in a set of points um, from different camera angles, be able to actually recreate a 3D scene. Um, yeah, cool. so very much of a trend in computer vision. On to policy and societal impacts. We have Clearview AI used by police to find criminals now in public defenders' hands. Oh, wow, so we haven't talked about Clearview AI for a month or two, and here we are again. They are never far from the news. Uh, so to recap, Clearview AI is a company that sells uh, the ability to do facial recognition, basically. You put in a photo of someone and it uh, pulls up photos from the web and usually also the name of that person. And Clearview AI has uh, been limiting the use of this to law enforcement 
but now they are um, planning to offer access to public defenders, so people who help um, you know uh, clients in the trials. And they kind of mo- motivated this with a particular case. Um, there was a crash, and the a person who was riding along, who wasn't driving, uh, was sort of charged with uh, the the he- vehicular homicide in the case and was wrongly charged. And uh, they were able to use Clearview to find uh, a person who was there at the scene who helped uh, to get this person out of a car and actually this helped in the trial. So that case inspired Clearview to then do this and offer it to public defenders. And related to this, now a group of House Democrats have unveiled uh, a new bill that aims to put limits on the use of facial recognition in general, and it's called the Facial Recognition Act. Um, And what's, you know, interesting is that it'll put limits on what law enforcement can use facial recognition for, like immigration enforcement or peaceful protests, um, and also using facial recognition matches as the sole basis for establishing probable cause for someone's arrest. And um, so far, the uh, bill has been getting support from privacy advocates, rights groups, and law enforcement adjacent groups and organizations alike. So it's um, interesting how this is actually moving along on the legal side, too, I'm sure because of all the media attention around Clearview. Definitely, yeah. Uh, We've talked a bit in the past how some cities uh, have done this, and this seems like a big deal, this law that also would force law enforcement to obtain a judge-authorized warrant before using facial recognition. So it's a pretty high bar. And as you said, it's been praised by a lot of organizations, uh, whereas this whole uh, thing with public defenders, some people think it's more of a PR stunt where this would not be that useful for most cases. It was helpful in just one case. And really, uh, some critics say that this is Clearview AI trying to buy some goodwill with uh, kind of this use case to, uh, to shadow over how they are giving access to law enforcement. Uh, so yeah, uh, pretty interesting to see this bill. And I think it's definitely timely given you know, how much we've been seeing Clearview AI in the news and how we've seen that there's been a handful of false arrests due to incorrect use of uh, facial recognition. Makes sense why Clearview wants to uh, think of a better media presence for themselves. Their PR team is getting it together. And on to the next article, artist receives first known U.S. copyright registration for generative AI art. Um, so this is probably the first, you know, U.S. copyright registration on um, AI-generated artwork created specifically by Latent Diffusion uh, using Midjourney. And the artist uh, created a graphic novel using that. Um, and uh, it's cool. They, the artwork was for um, a character named Zaria, dubbed by the artist, Zaria of the Dawn. Um Though this this character does look very much like Zendaya, the celebrity, um, and the article does note that artists often do use celebrity names in their prompts to basically get consistency between images, um, uh, and this is prompts into uh, diffusion models. 
And so going by the announcement, uh, the artist did say that, uh, you know, this was AI assisted. It wasn't created entirely by the AI. The artist wrote the comic book story, created the layout and made artistic choices to put the images together. And um, this is probably the first known registration of a copyright for art um, by models right now, by diffusion models, image synthesis models uh, right now. That said, there have been a history of generative art um, that does extend back to the 1960s, where there have definitely been registrations of artworks uh, using, you know, created by machine or algorithms before. Uh, But this is the first today. So exciting that things are moving along here in the art world. Um, of course, there's a lot of contentious you know, debate uh, in it, and we'll be uh, discussing it further, actually, in the next couple articles, uh, Lightning Round and the like. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of uh, kind of uh, heated discussion among the artist community now that stable diffusion and other things have really become mainstream, I suppose. And this is uh, pretty timely. Uh, in fact, the person who registered this copyright kind of mainly did it for precedent to show that you can use these AI tools uh, to create something and then that is still something you create and you still have the copyright to it. Uh, and then, yeah, as you said, it's not necessarily the first time this has happened. There's been a lot of machine-assisted or machine-generated art that are, is ultimately by human artists. But because this is such a huge topic now, it definitely um, probably is, is pretty important to set a precedent right now. And moving on, actually, to quite related stuff in the lighting round, we have uh, Getty Images bans AI-generated content over fears of legal challenges. So Getty Images has banned the upload and sale of illustrations generated using uh, AI tools like Dali and Vijerni. And um, yeah, it's uh, Getty Images is a huge platform, so it's uh, a pretty substantial ban. And there's other sites like Newgrounds and Pur- Purple Port and others that have done this. And the ban was prompted by concerns about the legality of AI-generated content and to protect the site's customers. So another interesting development for sure. And our next article is also about uh, generative AI systems. It's AI is making it easier than ever for students to cheat. So going back to GPT-3, just text, no images, uh, there's now more and more examples online of how students are able to write entire essays or papers using GPT-3. And given the quality of GPT-3, you can make a really convincing essay that you really can't necessarily tell it's by an AI, or you can at least uh, write most of the essay for you. So uh, yeah, it's it's making it easy. And it is, I would say, probably a big area of concern uh, for uh, educators. And next article is, there's no Tiananmen Square in the new Chinese image-making AI. Um, so this is a new text-to-image AI developed by Baidu in China, and it can generate images uh, that show Chinese objects and celebrities more accurate than existing other AI models here in the U.S., also better at anime art. Um, but there is a built-in censorship mechanism that will filter out politically sensitive words, meaning it cannot generate Tiananmen Square in the in the same way. And so... 
So, yeah, uh, I mean, that's, I guess, not that unexpected. <laughs> uh, and of course, I mean, the American ones also do ban certain things as well, uh, unless you're playing with your, your own stable diffusion thing and you get rid of the not safe for work filter. Yeah, exactly. So this just shows that uh, if you use platforms and not open source, then you'll be potentially limited. And next article is U.S. to invest $50 billion in spring 2023 as it looks to counter Chinese chip development. And so this is the U.S. Department of Commerce that's announced um, this release of huge amount of funding from the Bipartisan Chip Act signed by President Biden last month. Um, and they also did note that companies who will receive these chip funds can't build leading edge or advanced technology facilities in China for a period of 10 years. So a decade where you cannot um, build those things in China. Wow. Yeah. This, all this competition over chips is really heating up. It uh, is. It's real. Yeah. And on to our last section about art and fun stuff. And the first article is less fun, but it definitely is very interesting. Uh, it's from Vanity Fair and it's titled, Darth, uh, Darth Vader's voice emanated from war-torn Ukraine. And it describes how the company Respeecher uh, that generates um, basically synthesized dialogue with the voice of performers, actors uh, for films and you know, other media, how they were contracted to generate the voice of Darth Vader, uh, because the actor who uh, does that voice is now retiring. And they had to do it as the war in Ukraine uh, heated up. Basically, when the war started on February 24th, uh, the one of the lead artists there, who is 29, had to go work in uh, kind of a bunker and feed all this data into it to to generate it. And um, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting article showcasing how, you know, there's still obviously a lot of people doing a lot of work in Ukraine while this war has been uh, ravaging the country. And in some ways, this is like a nice feel-good story because they did make it work. They did make a synthetic version of James uh, Earl Jones's voice, and it was uh, recently used in a new uh, Disney Plus uh, show in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, this is quite the article. Uh, that's it's pretty intense given, you know, war toward Ukraine and then creating this, you know, resurrecting this character at the same time. And so there's um, yeah, it's a very intense article. Yeah, but uh, it does note that uh, viewers uh, responded very positively to this synthetic speech that was generated. Uh, so, you know, all this stuff about Ukraine aside, it's very interesting to see a character as kind of important as Darth Vader now being voiced by AI and, and that being kind of a choice that Disney has made to replicate a voice that's very iconic um, with this company Respeech instead of um, you know trying to get a new actor. So definitely seems like uh, we'll see more of this going forward now. Yeah, I mean, what's really cool is that uh, 
you know, while the video stuff is not quite there yet for Hollywood to pick up, now voice is, right? Sound, like the the speech actually is. And so um, it's almost like a leading indicator for where things are going with everything else uh, since speech is much smaller than, than video. Yeah, and we'll touch on also uh, a bit later on how this is happening in video games too. And next article is, I resurrected, quote, Ugly Sonic with Stable Diffusion Textual Inversion. Um, so Ugly Sonic, if you know your meme, is this name given to uh, the original Sonic design for the 2020 movie Sonic the Hedgehog, which caused fans to basically be so disgusted in how ugly Sonic the Hedgehog looked uh, in, in the, um, you know, uh, first like glimpses of the film that they decided um, to do an emergency fix um, and to make that more palatable for fans. It's pretty hilarious if you go look at it. Um, and what this, you know, this one person did a, of this blog post said that they decided to use um, Ugly Sonic to test stable diffusion for a few reasons uh, to be able to, you know, generate this Ugly Sonic. And one, it's because he's, you know, computer generated characters. So it seemed thematically appropriate um, too, because and I thought this was interesting because there aren't many images of Ugly Sonic in the training set. So generated output output could be truly unique. And three, because, um, and this was a little tongue in cheek, if Paramount wants to send me a cease and desist for besmirching that the ugly Sonic brand, that would be objectively hilarious. Um, so a fun little article and the uh, generated images are pretty funny, especially with ugly Sonic shaking Obama's hand. Um, and in one of the images, Obama, the Obama there is like wearing a tracksuit or something um it's just it's just really funny or wearing a blue suit similar to, to sonic in a way yeah and uh you know this isn't just funny there was uh, also something pretty interesting where um this is actually kind of a little novel this idea of textual inversion where you know typically you need to generate uh you you give it a uh, text prompt and then it generates the um, image from that, but actually, uh, the text just gets converted to a big number, a uh, long kind of string of numbers. And the sexual inversion ideas is that you can reverse engineer what the text would get converted to from an image. So you can take, uh, an image of ugly Sonic, then invert that into kind of a text output and then remix that with uh, some sort of prompt where you have a new word essentially. So it used to be that the model did not know what ugly sonic is and now you can have this new like conceptual world word of ugly sonic that you can slot into various images. So as a new technique for generating AI art, it's actually pretty significant and interesting and and it's also really funny to see the sort of stuff that uh, <laughs> was possible with it for this yeah textual inversion is a really fun technique um and yeah you can basically create your own concepts and apply them and uh, let's wrap up with a lighting round so we have uh, one on, again, text to image, 
big theme. We have an article titled Artist Uses AI to Extract Color Palettes from Text Descriptions. Uh, so a London-based artist named uh, Matt Desloriers uh, has developed a tool to generate color palettes from any text prompts, allowing someone to type in beautiful sunset and get a series of colors that matches a typical sunset scene. So, you know, not as mind-blowing maybe as something like Dream Diffusion or or DALI, but definitely still very useful. And, uh, you know, the results are pretty impressive. Still pretty cool. Uh, last lightning round article is Hellblade developer Ninja Theory confirms it won't replace voice actors with AI. So Ninja Theory, which is the developer behind the Hellblade series, um, got accused uh, on Twitter um, for, uh, you know, replacing human voice actors with AI. Uh, and in response, they did say, no, actually, we're not. For clarity, we actually use AI um, for placeholder content only to help us understand things like timing and placement in early phases of development. And then they do, at the very end, collaborate with real actors whose performances are at the heart of bringing their stories to life. So it's interesting that uh, AI is used for kind of blueprinting um, or at the very beginning um, of easily prototyping a, a game like this. But uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously a, a little bit controversial when people hear AI, they think it's going to replace everything. And of course, there are video games that have done that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, actually, in video game development, often early on, just the developers themselves uh, record just like ugly audio, just like the programmers and so on. So this makes some, you know, a decent amount of sense. Then again, uh, I think in five or 10 years, I would bet that AI will be generating at least some of the voice acting in games, probably not for main characters, but definitely for you know side characters or small characters, uh, I would be pretty surprised if it's not sort of commonplace by then. Agreed, agreed. And with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Skynet Today's Last Week in AI podcast. You can find the articles we discuss here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at lastweekin.ai. You can also subscribe to this very podcast if you haven't yet. And if you are subscribed, then as always, we want to beg you to review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> uh, you know, we only have 27 reviews so far. And as we always say, we really do appreciate them and are very interested to hear your feedback. So we would definitely uh, appreciate it. Uh, and you can always, you know, just tweet at us or, or email us if you want to get in touch and, and tell us what you think that way. And be sure to tune in. Be sure to tune in to the revived Last Week in AI, which Woo! is no longer in hiatus. Yeah. Last month in AI. <laughs> Last month in AI, no longer. <laughs> <laughs>